Hello, I'm John Eldridge, and welcome to the Ransomed Heart audio podcast. For more information on Ransomed Heart Ministries, our resources, and events, please visit us online at www.ransomedheart.com. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, you greatly rejoice. 1 Peter chapter 1, and then Paul in Romans 8. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the coming of the kingdom, the more joyful our expectancy. Friends, welcome to the Ransomed Heart podcast, part three of a series that we're doing on the return of Jesus and just all the things that even that phrase evokes, the return of Christ. And Craig, as I Remind our listeners of these passages about eager expectation and joyful anticipation and greatly rejoicing in this. Like, what happened to that? Yeah. John, I think that would be another one of those things that has been lost or buried mm-hmm. under fear or our attachments to the good things God has given us in this life. Mm. I mean, yeah, yeah. Fear and attachment seem to have robbed us of that joy of something in the future, even better than this. The more that I push into this personally, I think thievery Mm. is one of the big categories that, as we were trying to describe in episodes one and two, There are great treasures of our faith and life with God that have been just ripped off from God's people, like hearing the voice of God, like intimacy, just simply having an actual real intimate relationship, healing, deliverance, breakthrough, you know, living in a larger story, the ability to defeat the powers of darkness here and now. So many treasures that as you begin to recover them, wow, (laughs) it's like you realize what treasures they are. Yes. I think this is another one. This sure seems missing. Yeah. MIA. Yeah. Doesn't it? Yes. (laughs) You know, yes, this life is hard, incredibly hard. Yes, we go through such Tough stuff, battle, warfare, things just as you say, John, aren't handed to us on a silver plate. And yet God has made provision and provided so much hope and joy and comfort and presence in this life 
And so much of that stuff is stolen, masked, or we're distracted from it. I mean, it's it's atrocious what we're missing out on in this life. Yeah. So again, to requote Pascal, it is a monstrous thing to see in the same heart and at the same time this sensibility to trifles and this strange insensibility to the greatest things. He describes it as an incomprehensible enchantment. And didn't you feel that last mm-hmm. time as we mm-hmm. were recording mm-hmm. after we turned the mics off? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel it now, you know. Yes, yes. Okay, so maybe we do need to pray. And thank you, Holy Spirit, for the reminder. We pray what Paul prays in Ephesians chapter 1. God, break the spell. Yes. Break the spell. Open the eyes of our hearts. Yes to the riches of the coming of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Open our hearts to see the lies that have gotten in, Mm -hmm. the fear, the doubt, the apprehension, Mm -hmm. the confusion. And God, break the spell. Yes. Break this spell. Yes. In the name of Jesus Christ, Mm. our Lord. Mm. Amen. Amen. Pascal goes on to say, our imagination so powerfully magnifies time by continual reflection upon it, meaning pause, you know, that precious little cabin in the woods that you can't wait to get back to with your grandchildren or, you know, meaning the hope of Mm -hmm. being at your daughter's wedding or, you know, just all those hopes and dreams of life. Good things. But here's what he's saying is that By continual reflection upon these things, our imagination so powerfully magnifies time and so diminishes the coming life of ours in the kingdom for lack of reflection that we make a nothing of eternity and an eternity of nothing. Mm, That's good. That seems to name whatever this spell, this Mm -hmm. enchantment, this haze, fog, veil might be another description of what's come over. I think a lot of really good people, like strong followers of Christ, not only your average Joe on the street who is utterly clueless, but even sincere lovers of God. Oh, yeah. John, I see, as we talked in our last session, I just see how anchored in this world I am, you know, I long to see the kids and grow up and have kids. And I mean, I've got a bucket list, you know, I've got to get this stuff in before I die because this is the cream. Ding, 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 ding. Okay. Home run, jackpot. Thank you for naming that. The bucket list. Yeah. Right? That's come into common parlance in the last decade in the movie and all that. But people talking about, oh, yeah, lifetime list. And, you know, there's a series of books out, you know, 100 places you need to see before you die. Yes. You know, and then you have the different sports things, you know, 100 places to golf before you die, 100 places to fly fish. Do you see it? Yeah. Do you see the belief behind that? Yeah, it doesn't get any better than this. Not only that, but the belief is your only shot at that 
is now. Yeah. Because it's gone later. Such a deep and heinous lie. Mm. And it helps me name. I have never been comfortable with bucket list. And I couldn't have told you why really prior to understanding this. Yeah. Like there was just this vague thing of bucket list. Like, wait, <laughs> like, don't you understand you don't die? Mm-hmm. You know, again, Dallas Willard's way of framing it, the life you now have and the universe that now exists goes on. And so this idea of bucket list is part of the film, fog, veil, spell, enchantment, this, I don't know. This, this is as good as it gets. There is no heaven. There is no greater than this. Well, or, no, 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 there's heaven, you bet. Yeah. But it's not this. Yeah. It's something other that we can't even conceive of and therefore don't desire, yeah. hope for. Heaven can't beat Pebble Beach. It sounds terrible to say it, but <laughs> bucket lists reveal that we think that. Yeah. I think two things have gotten in to cause a deep and profound misunderstanding and apprehension about the return of Christ and living with an eager expectation and a hope that Jesus is coming back. So, listeners, let me just run this by you just to kind of help you track with us. Part of what triggered this whole podcast series was I walked into a director's meeting about a month ago, and I said, I think Christ is coming back soon. Yes. Listeners, just let that hit you. What if that were true? What if the return of Jesus is going to take place in our lifetime. See, there's all those mixed feelings, hope, joy, fear, doubt, anticipation, wonder, confusion. But I think these two things especially, I think something that the enemy has sown into the hearts of the church, of God's people, are a kind of, one, some sort of fear or vague dread about the, quote, last days or end times or Armageddon or, you know, just some sort of fear. I think that's one. And then I think some some deep sense of loss that's reflected in the bucket list yeah. idea that something that says it's the end of everything. Now, yes, yes, we get to go on to have joy in God and Jesus and one another in heaven, but we lose all those things that were so precious to us here. And I want to address those too. I think these I think these have really gotten in to create this supernatural enchantment that Pascal describes, mm-hmm. this spell that we're living under. Let's start with the idea of terrible times in the last days. Craig, when you when you hear we are living in the last days or the last days are coming or the end times are very, very near, what does that bring in you? What does that <laughs> I want out. I want out. Are you kidding? The valley filled with blood up to the hips and Antichrist and what might be mandated and forced. I have some kind of mark on me and denying Christ and scares the hell out of me. <laughs> and I, you know, I really wonder, oh my gosh, 
would I be someone who survives that, who makes that? I mean, that sounds like the ultimate kind of comprehensive test. I don't think I'd pass that one. You know, I'd be first in line. Um, no, I've never seen him before. Never heard of him. You know, er, er, you know? <laughs> just it's the biblical description of the end times is frightening. If you just look at it on its own, just by itself. And that's the key, gang, because by itself. Yes. By itself. Whatever it is, folks, that you have heard about or come to kind of vaguely accept as these dreadful days ahead, I want to read some scriptures to you. So here's the first one. Second Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. And Paul says, oh, yes. Oh, yes. He says, mark this. There will be terrible times. That's what I'm talking about. In the last days. Now, listen, listen. He goes on to describe them. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That's actually his full description. Those are the terrible times. Yeah. So can we just hang on a second, gang? Like a lot of the stuff that's gotten in with some of our imagery comes out of the book of Revelation. But remember in Revelation chapter 12, it's describing Christmas. Yeah. And we have Christmas from an earthly side, you know, away in a manger. And then you get Christmas from the heavenly side and you get this giant red dragon and battle and the angels and the demons and all that going on. And yes, yes, the dragon attempts to kill Jesus. Herod orders the execution of the -hmm, young boys. mm -hmm. That's it. While life was going on on earth in fairly normal terms, I mean, what Paul just described here, that was yesterday. (laughs) You understand this isn't something bizarre, unique, over the top. I mean, mark this. There will be terrible times. Mm -hmm. Lovers of themselves, proud, boastful, abusive, disobedient. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. But it also disarms this vague thing of something you know, out of a nightmare, right? Now, let me go on. Matthew 24, this is Jesus on the same subject. No one knows about the day or hour of his return, not even the angels in heaven, not even the Son, but only the Father. And then listen to his description. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood... People were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Okay, so Jesus is describing the last days. And how does Jesus describe them? Today? Yeah, normal life. Yeah. He says they had no idea. 
Yeah. <laughs> they were just going on about their pagan business, you know. I mean, the days before Noah were not good days in right. the sense that, you know, God flooded the earth for a reason. But read the description of mankind before the flood, and it sounds like the evening news. Murder, treachery, adultery, rape, incest, you know, all of it. Abuse, terrorism, greed. And Jesus is saying, you know, actually marrying, giving in marriage, going out to dinner— having people over for dinner. Yeah. Okay, gang, do you hear this? I so badly want to disarm this vague dread fear thing. Jesus says, in the moments before my return, life is going to look an awful lot like life looks right now. Yeah. Yeah, John, when I read all the passages on the return and of the Lord in the times preceding that, they always seem to have some, you know, be of good cheer or be at peace or comfort one another with these words. And it feels like an incongruence to me and probably others. You fear. There's this fear of of what will unfold, and the fear blinds us to the very next sentence or phrase about there being peace in this and comfort and look mm-hmm. forward to mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. It's like that enchantment, that thing blinds us to the beauty and the hope of it. Oh, I think the enemy has literally brought in fear. Mm -hmm. I think he has literally sown fear and dread into this. But Jesus is saying, actually, gang, life is going to look exactly like your life looks right now. And then he goes on to describe, for as lightning that comes from the east is visible even in the west, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Bam. Like, rather quickly. Like, all at once, uh-huh. in not some long, protracted nightmare. Now, again, I don't want to diminish the days before Noah were not pleasant days. Yes. But, gang, the scriptural descriptions, watch the news. Nothing different, actually, according to Jesus, according to Paul. And listen to him again. Listen to Paul again in First Thessalonians 5. He says, now, brothers, about the times and the dates— We do not need to write you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. In other words, swiftly, suddenly, a great surprise, not as the denouement or the climax of this long, protracted, foreboding, whatever fear thing the enemy's tried to sow in you, okay, whatever your version is of this, okay? Because listen, Paul goes on to say, he will come like a thief in the night while people are saying, Peace and safety. Okay, now, you cannot have a world crisis that is wreaking, you know, everyone on the earth gets AIDS, cancer, and nuclear radiation at the same time. Your children, you know, have boils and scars, and there's famine in the streets. You can't have that and have everyone saying peace and safety. Right. You can't have that and have Jesus saying, oh, no, actually, it's uh, marrying, giving in marriage, going out to dinner, having people over for dinner. Do you see how, like, radically disarming this is? This is so fascinating. First Corinthians 15, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised, and we will be changed. (laughs) I mean, bam, boom. 
Jesus says, as lightning flashes from the east to the west. And what does the world feel like before that's about to happen? People are saying, eh, peace and safety. Mm-hmm. Where's this coming of the Lord that you were talking about? You know, people are having one another over to dinner and going to weddings and that sort of thing, right? You, you don't have people going to weddings if there's some sort of nuclear holocaust <laughs> happening, okay? So, like, disarming this dread, vague fear thing that the enemy has used and distorted scriptures. I mean, going back to Christmas, right? Christmas on the earth at the time of Christ. Now, granted, it was a hard time for the people of Israel. It was a hard time for lovers of God and Roman government and persecution and tyranny and oppression, okay? But gang, you just need to remember Christmas took place in a world very much like the world we have yeah. today. Yeah. So, John, a whole lot of this you're speaking right to me on as well as the, our listeners. So how do we dismantle that fear? I mean, this specific fear? I think we have to break agreements with it. First, I think we need to recognize, wow, yeah, you know what? I think, I think some kind of vague dread or something has gotten in. What? Mm-hmm. Jesus, forgive me. What's with this apprehension? Mm-hmm. And then I think it would be really helpful for our dear listeners to go back and read Matthew 24, verse 36, about you know the description from there, what Jesus is talking about the days of Noah. Read 1 Timothy chapter 3 with Paul saying, look, you want to know what the terrible times look like? It looks like people being lovers of themselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're like, mm-hmm. oh, wait, wait, hold on. I thought there was like going to be, I don't know, huge like balrogs running through it the has. neighborhood. And, you know, <laughs> okay, read, read these scriptures. Read First Thessalonians chapter 5, right? Like a thief in the night while people are saying peace and safety. You can't have some sort of global heinous calamity where your children are being put to death in front of your face and people are saying peace and safety. Yes. And people are having you over to dinner and going to weddings. You see, I think there just needs to be this let's recognize that a dread and an anxiety has gotten in that's not from God. It's not from God. Now, one more thing that will help here. Pause. I think dread and anxiety are the very perfect reactions of the unbeliever. The unbeliever is supposed to fear the day of the Lord. You betcha. And I think that's where the enemies twisted all of this. The unbeliever doesn't fear it, and the believer does. Right? But oh, yes. Oh, yes. When Scripture talks about, you know, the coming of a great and terrible day of the Lord, he's talking about it unbelievers that, oh, yeah, it's you had your chance. I mean, there is a day of reckoning coming. And the fear of God is the first turning to God. Like, it's not as good as loving the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, but it's better than nothing. As George MacDonald says, I mean, fear is better than nothing <laughs> if it gets a person to turn from all of this, being a lover of self, ungrateful, unholy, rash, treacherous, brutal, not lovers of the good. If that gets you, if the fear of God coming <laughs> gets you to turn from that, that's a good thing. But that's never directed at the people of God. Yes. Right? And yeah. so I think 
to answer your question, I think to recognize some big dread fear thing has gotten in and it feels so biblical, but mm-hmm. it's not. Mm-hmm. Twinkling of an eye, thief mm-hmm. in the night, like lightning, bam. And in the moments before that, going out to dinner, peace and safety. And then I think probably to pray against it, break agreements with it, like just reject this dread that the enemy has pretty successfully sown into them. The people of God. Listeners, what you're hearing right now in my silence is kind of a stunned awareness that of how much actually I've bought into that whole fear <laughs> thing. And I'm, he's preaching to the choir. So what do I do, John? <laughs> let's pray. Like, honestly, let's pray. Because it really is a supernatural, heinous spell that's been cast. Father, forgive us for allowing fear Mm. and dread in. The scriptures say there is no fear in love. There's no fear in your love, God, that Mm. the coming of Jesus is great news for Mm. the believer. And so we right now, whether your emotions are here yet or not, we break agreements with the fear and the dread of the last days. We break agreements with the fear and the dread that's gotten in with associations about hearing Jesus is coming back. The return of the Lord is near. We are in the last days. Whatever the dread and this vague anxiety that's gotten in, we renounce it. We break agreements with it. Gang, this is a spiritual battle you're fighting right now. This isn't reason. You have come under a major assault that the enemy has done to the church in this arena. And so first things first, we reject it. We break agreements with it. Father, Father, show me the truth in these matters. I renounce the fear and dread that I have allowed to get in to my understanding of the end and of the return of Christ and whatever the last days look or feel like. Mm. Father, I reject the fear in the name of Jesus Christ. We banish it, renounce it, strip this from me. Remove this from my heart and my mind. Restore to me a true perspective. Restore to me twinkling of an eye. Restore to me like a thief in the night. Restore to me while people are going out to dinner and having one another over, going to wedding receptions while people are saying peace and safety. Restore to me your description, Jesus, of these days. And take away the fear. I renounce the fear. We renounce it in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we ask you to replace it with your Holy Spirit Mm. of love and joy and assurance in Mm. the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Pause. Pause. Okay, so I'm sitting here and Jesus was showing me where that fear came in. I can't push beyond that right now. Lori and I went to a um, some kind of a financial seminar, gosh, right when we were first married. 
And this guy, that's where the fear was induced. This would have been 1977 where, um, you know, gun turret, get a place in the mountains, have seven years of food. And I realized, you know, it was during that conference, that guy was just spewing fear, apocalyptic, and the, yep. you have to be prepared, don't yep. have currency, have gold, have silver. Yep. And that's where I made all those agreements with fear Wow! that just right now I'm seeing that's when it was induced. <sighs> and so as I'm sitting here, I'm just breaking those agreements. Do, do it. I'm with you. <laughs> yeah. Lord, I thank you. Thank you for the grace and the mercy to show me the fears specifically about the end times came into my heart and the agreements I made that this is going to go down bad and that this was going to uh, exercise me, Lori, our children, beyond our ability to endure or face and that it was a, a certain misery and horrible and horrific affair. And I break the agreements I made with fear in the name of Jesus Christ. And I banish them from my heart, my head, my interpretation of the world, events of Christ and Scripture. And I say no to fear. And in the name of Christ, I pray you would cleanse me from those agreements, that sin, that violation, in the name of Jesus Christ. Mm. We agree. We agree. And all of us listening agree in our own hearts that, God, show us where the fear got in. We renounce it now. God is not a God of fear. And Scripture says we have not been given a spirit of fear. Fear is never from God. We renounce it. We break agreements with it. We banish it. it. And we invite your love and your spirit of truth Mm -hmm. to come in its place. In Jesus' name. Now, Craig and gang, I understand. I think there's a related piece here that's going to help us even more with this dread, and it has to do with loss and the kind of the companion. This is sort of a two-sided thing here that the enemy's brought in, dread and loss. And so I think as we tackle that loss piece, a whole lot more of this clarity is going to come as Mm. well. Mm and help your heart be even more free from dread or apprehension. So what we wanted to tackle today was this misconception of terrible times. That, yes, I'm not denying that there are sober descriptions of the last days in the scriptures. I'm simply pointing out to you that those actually sound very much like the evening news. Mm -hmm. And... I'm also trying to bring into that, but the scripture also says, also says, and you have to keep the two together. You can't just hold on to whatever these kind of apocalyptic things are. And by the way, can we remember that the book of Revelation is apocalyptic and much of the description in there is allegory, analogy, or taking place in the heavens? I mean, what the people on earth saw was the baby in the manger. Nobody Mm -hmm. saw the red dragon, but Mm -hmm. it was going on. Right. Okay, so whatever you've locked onto by way of imagery and Armageddon and all of that, you also have to accept, oh, it was like the days of Noah, going to marriages, weddings, having one another for dinner. Paul says, oh, no, actually, it's like a thief in the night. Well, everyone is thinking peace and safety. All is well. Okay, so 
there you have it, twinkling of an eye. Yes. Okay, like a flash of lightning. Mm. Okay. In what looks like life as it is today, which is painful, you betcha, and wars and famine and all that's going on, but not really much different than life looks today. You've been listening to the Ransomed Heart podcast with John Eldridge, Craig McConnell, part three in a series on the return of Jesus. And what we think about that, some unspoken assumptions people hold, and most importantly, the fear and loss thing that's gotten into what was supposed to be this enormous Mm. gift Mm -hmm. to sustain our hearts. I hope you've enjoyed this. We're going to pick it up next time by dismantling this idea of loss. Whoa, that was good. I'm sitting here. <laughs> that was huge. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs>